Welcome to Unapologetically Abundant Podcast. I'm your host, Petya Kolibová, that love coach who helps corporate women who have been pushed down and back due to traumatic relationship or childhood trauma in their past, which has caused them to see themselves not in a bright light that makes them people please and not show up the way they know they are capable of showing up. My mission is to help women who are on the path to heal from their past wounds, move through their limiting beliefs and internal blocks so they can guide other women through online coaching, which is that deep down what they are feeling they really want to do instead of sitting in their corporate job. Each week I will be offering an interview or an idea that will support you to leave behind what isn't serving you anymore and create a life filled with freedom, abundance, and purpose. No more hiding, no more waiting. The time to take care of yourself, to uplevel your life is now. Hello, everyone. I hope you had absolutely amazing day. Mine just got right now better because we finally figured out the technological issues here with a beautiful Dr. Nicola Pera, and we were able to jump on this podcast, and I'm so excited to have her. And for those who don't know why to be excited, Nicole trained in psychology at Cornell University and the New School for Social Research in New York City. She practices as a holistic psychologist and is a founder of Mindful Healing Center in Philadelphia. Her work addresses then connection between the mind, body, and incorporates nutrition, lifestyle, psychological wellness practices. She also recently expanded her work online, creating a platform for teaching these often overlooked components of mental wellness to individuals and practitioners around the world. So now everybody has a reason to be excited, Nicole. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love, I love connecting with people. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, like I was, I was just like browsing on Instagram like a few weeks ago and then I found your account because I truly believe in holistic, in doing everything fully. Too often we just focus on one part or the other part and we are thinking once we do this, then we can step to the next one. So I truly love like how deep you go into the teaching on your Instagram, on your social media then how in-depth you are sharing, how everything is really interconnected. Have you always have this gift to see the connections between everything? Thank you. I appreciate you calling it a gift. That's very nice. Um, I agree with you. I couldn't agree more that I think that a lot of us have what I term the kind of a reductionistic model, right? I think it's in the medical community. Um, I think largely, though, psychology, I think, allows for other factors other than one to be considered. But I think you're right. I think we have kind of like a one problem and a one solution based model. And I don't think that's how life is. I don't think that's how people are. And I know at this point that that's not how our bodies are. Um, So, you know, realizing that we had to start taking a look at at the whole of it. Um, And I think that I've always kind of looked and seen patterns and kind of interactions. I guess, you know, if I, if I look back, 
um, through, through my life. So realizing that that is the way, at least in my opinion, that the field needs to shift. Um, I think it came natural more naturally to me to do that because I think that that is often how I conceptualize life essentially for a long time. Hmm, that's really beautiful. And yeah, I definitely think it's a gift, you know, to do something in life that you are truly passionate about and comes to you easy. Easy doesn't meaning that it's going to be like, you know, simple and all of these things like, oh, I can just wing it. It's not about that. But I feel like very often in life, we overthink like what we should do, could do, and we just overanalyze everything. So knowing what are your strengths, really focusing on it and sharing it with other people, I think it's really incredible. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of times, I mean, I will always say we need to get in a lot of the work that I do with people is getting out of our thinking mind. I think that you're right. We overcomplicate things. We talk ourselves out of things. I mean, the mind is incredibly powerful. So while I do believe that we need to heal our body to be fully healed, we can't overlook that mind piece. And we also can't be spending too much time believing our mind and our thoughts. Um, so, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more that, that, Sometimes we overcomplicate things, um, but that's not to say that it is easy. And a lot of the work, I'm always the bearer of the bad news that this isn't easy. Healing means that sometimes we have to put in efforts um, that some people, other people aren't willing to put in or that would look for the quicker solution, right? Mm, yeah, you're absolutely right, Nicole. I feel like in nowadays, everything is so quick. The internet is quick. When it's not, we get desperate. You know, we don't have a reception, like world is ending. We want to lose weight. We want to lose it in a month. You know, we're looking for 21 days to fix all our life when we were storing all of these old beliefs or mistreating our bodies for at least years, you know, like sometimes it's our whole lifetime. So I'm wondering, what are you the most passionate about in your work? Like what really excites you that you could be doing or talking about like every day, all day? Mm -hmm. The mind, to be honest. I, I was, have always been fascinated by the mind. Um, that's why I think I went into psychology. You know, I, on some inherent intrinsic level, always kind of knew I wanted to be a psychologist. And it's because of the mind, um, the power of the mind, really. Um, I would read books and learn about, you know, people who just overcame so much based on you know, the way they thought about things or kind of their mental work as opposed to, you know, they, obviously there's actions that we need to take, um, but the mind is just so, so incredibly powerful. And, you know, I could talk about that forever. And now the way the mind comes up pretty much daily in my work is really exploring the role of the subconscious mind mm -hmm. um, or the stories. So if anyone who follows me, you know, will always hear me go on and on about this subconscious and this, these stories. And so essentially what they are is that we have, like you're saying, as a result of lived experience, accumulated experience over time, we, we develop habitual ways of thinking, of feeling, of being in the world even habits, habits that we do, like kind of the physical habits of life. And because as a human, life is so complex and complicated, we can't be considering these decisions about how to literally be and exist as a person, right, on a daily basis. So our subconscious stores those. The problem with that, though, is, is that if we're not paying attention, which a lot of us aren't, 
we are going to run on those age old programs. And then we're going to get to a point in our life where those programs are not no longer serving us. So that's how the mind kind of shows itself in my daily practice. And I am just so fascinated by the existence of this subconscious, by the power of this subconscious, and by the fact that we can change and control the subconscious. And that to me is just, I get so excited even when I talk about it. that is the most empowering, empowering experience is learning that we have a say in changing at that deepest, deepest, deepest level. Mm, that's amazing. So when you're talking about paying attention to our mind, would it be like the awareness of our thoughts, what we are saying on repeated basis, if that's really, really true, or if that's coming from the old stories, is that what you meant? Yes, I love that. So first of all, we need to pay attention. Like I'm saying, a lot of us live, live very mindlessly. Um, some of us aren't even aware of the fact that there are literally an incessant internal dialogue going on. So awareness, tuning in to that internal world is the hugest, hugest, first, most important step. But then you're right. And then we need to question that world because some of the things that we are saying to ourselves on a daily basis aren't accurate and aren't helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so to speak to your point, yes, that is the, that is kind of what we're talking about, looking into that world and questioning it and then telling ourselves something new that would better serve our goals in life. Mm, absolutely. And you know, I remember there were times in the past in my life that I was scared to look inside. You know, I didn't want to like sit with it and like really be aware of what's inside because exactly the stories we create in our mind. So what would be the first step if somebody wants to really learn to to see how their mind really works and how to really expand their world. Mm -hmm. Where would they start? Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. I think that a lot of people are overwhelmed and I work with a lot of people that will say, I don't like to be alone. I don't like to be in quiet. And that's exactly what they mean. I don't want to see or hear what's going on, but we have to. Because if we don't, then we don't have the control that we all deserve. So the first hugest step is to, to meditate, to develop a practice where we literally sit quietly and we look. I mean, that's just to simplify what meditation is, right? We go, we sit in a room, and, and every whenever I talk about changing or doing any of this work, I will always preface it with take, start small, right? Because again, to speak to your point, this is very overwhelming, there's things that are, that are going on in there that are uncomfortable. So to think that we're going to sit on a cushion or wherever on a couch or lay in bed for, you know, like, like this for 25 minutes is not going to happen. Literally a minute. Just quiet yourself down. Be somewhere where there's not external distractions to be looking at and just see what happens. And what's going to happen is we're going to meet that internal dialogue. We're going to meet the thoughts that are there, whether or not we're aware of them or not. So that's the hugest, most important step. And then we need to do that consistently over time. <laughs> we need to tune into ourselves consistently over time. So would you really say that meditation, if you never done it, you have no idea like what to do, how to do it, that what's enough is just really turn everything off and sit with yourself for one minute and then just like be there every single day? Mm -hmm. That's a great, that's a perfect starting point. And what, what's going to happen, right? And this is the skill part of it. Thoughts are going to come 
you know, and there's, there's apps. Um, Headspace is a great one and they'll take you through and I bring it up because what they call thoughts is I think they use the, uh, the metaphor, the analogy, whatever it might be of cars on a highway, right. Or clouds in the sky because it's, there's two skills we need. We need to look and see what's going on, but then we need to learn not to jump on the crazy train of the thought, right? We need to learn how to observe the thought, which means, okay, here I am thinking about that fight that happened at work. And now I just need to let that thought of the fight that happened to work go. Hmm. And that's, I think the incredible skill because that gives us then a space between what is likely happening in our daily life, which is we're bring, something's happening in our world. We're having a thought and without taking, without having a choice, a habitual, usually negative reaction is being triggered. Hmm. So the more we develop that ability just to watch the more the next time that thing happens that triggers that thought, I have now access to another choice, which might be not to kick and scream and yell or react in that negative way, but might be to do something different. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about changing. Mm, I love that. You know, and there are a couple of things that are like jumping on me. It's the control versus letting go. Very often we like or attempt to be in the control because we feel more safe. We feel when we can control the things around us, you know, we feel more safe. And then we are talking about, you know, controlling your subconscious mind and letting go of the thoughts. How those two go hand in hand, you know, the control and the letting go? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think as humans, we, we, we don't like certain things. Um, two of the major things we do not like are uncertainty and not having control. Um, it makes us very uncomfortable. And I think it comes from, and this is probably a much longer conversation, but my belief is it comes from a very deep rooted fear that we can't handle if we don't control. Mm. Right. So I think, you know, that's where that control piece comes from. So learning again, that a, you know, we can't control our thoughts. And I say that because I think it's, it's um, misunderstood meditation in and of itself, that there's going to come a time or a place where we can say, stop thoughts. And then we have no thoughts. That's not the case, right? It's the, the second point. That's where this comes in. We don't stop our thoughts. We can't control the world around us, but we can observe it and we can make choices based on what we observe. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, I think, the belief or the experience that a lot of us have when we're struggling or stuck is that it is our mind, it is our thoughts that are actually controlling us. So this actually turns it around, which is the case, right? The being, whatever you might think that would be, that is behind the thoughts, that is that which is us. And that's actually the thing that holds the control, not the thoughts. But I think a lot of us operate underneath our thoughts in a very out of control way. <laughs> Yeah, I can really see that, you know, like I saw those cars like passing by, you know, like thousands of thoughts and you feel like a crazy person because you think like you do have to jump on everyone and attend them all. And I really, really love when you're saying so controlling your subconscious mind, it's really tuning in and having the power of the choice. Because what happens when something is going on in your life, what do we do normally? We go on the autopilot and we automatically react. How good is that for us and for our well-being, our life, and even like people around us? Mm -hmm. So I feel that when you can learn to really just observe the thoughts, okay, I'm thinking that this coworker, it's really, you know, like 
not a good person, <laughs> you know, and you see that you observe it and then you just let it go. Like, can I change him? No, I can't. What I can change is how I feel and how I will respond to that. So it's not about, like you said, having an empty mind and sitting in a lotus position and feeling like empty and in never ending peace. Mm-hmm. It's about giving back yourself the power of the choice. Because if you want to control something, you want to control not your environment, but control your choices. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, and the bottom line is to bring, kind of reiterate this control piece. We are the only person, we are the only thing on this planet that we have control over. We don't have control over as much as we want to anyone or anything else in our environment. So to, like I said, the power of choice is so empowering, but it's also the reality. We are all we have. So it is, a, it is on us and our responsibility to make the choices that best serve us. And the less we spend time trying to control everyone and everything around us, the more energy and space we're going to have to do that more internal work. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because when you let go of the control, you know, trying to control everything, then you gain the space of really being able to be there and see what truly matters to you and who you really are. Mm-hmm. Why do you, so why do you think that so many people feel alone? You know, when you say like, we are all we have and now I love it. Like before I hated silence. I didn't want to be alone. I felt so lonely even when I was around people. Now I love it. I love my silence. I love grabbing my book. I know I changed. Mm-hmm. So I changed the way I feel. However, what about those that are still in the space that they are feeling that if they are not doing a lot of things, they're feeling like they're not enough and they're afraid to be alone? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, that, that comes from a lot of different places. You know, feeling alone comes... I, Let me step back one second. As humans, we are very social creatures. There's an evolutionary benefit that we had for being social, for being in tribes. It kept us safe. So I would go as far to say is that it's a human, you know, intrinsic want is to be connected to others, right? So I think it comes from a very natural place, you know, in general, to feel some level of connectivity to another human interpersonally, et cetera. I think that, you know, to speak to the point I was making earlier, I think a lot of times people do have a problem being alone more based around what comes up for them when they're alone, right? All of the thoughts and feelings that they don't maybe want to be looking at. It comes from maybe the meaning that they're assigning for the why they're alone, right? So maybe they're alone because no one likes them or maybe they're alone because they're a terrible person, whatever. We assign meanings to things. So that's another, I think, area of discomfort for why you know someone doesn't like being alone I think people I think this is a more complicated one but I think people can feel alone even when they do have people around or relationships in their life because I think on a very real level connectivity develops from presence or engagement someone being in a moment hearing a conversation hearing what someone else is saying and I think that again for a lot of different psychological reasons we aren't present in the ways that would allow the level of connectivity. So there's an aloneness that I think occurs even when I'm in a conversation with someone because I don't feel like I'm connecting. And that's because we're in that mindless habitual place where we're not there and present and open for the connection. 
Mm, that's so powerful. And like, as soon as you said it, I'm like, that's true. That's so true. Like we forget how huge gift the presence really is. Because even when we, let's say we schedule time to be with ourselves and get a massage or be with our loved ones or anything, we're still not fully present because we are thinking about the work we got to do tomorrow. What do I have to do tonight? You're not being present. And then you are feeling disconnected and people around you feel disconnected too. So do you have any like tips on how to be truly present, like how to bring yourself back and truly be there? Mm -hmm. So a a third skill that we learn when we meditate, not to keep touting this, but this is so incredibly important because it has all of these tools in it. So when we are meditating and we are practicing a particular mindfulness is a word that I think probably a lot of your listeners might have heard. It's kind of very much in the mainstream now. So what mindfulness is based on is that, is the concept of being present to the current reality. So a skill, I call it our attentional muscle. We learn how to utilize that. So when we're sitting and meditating, if we're doing kind of like, if we're not doing a guided one where we're like necessarily listening to something, even if we are though. So what's going to happen, like I said earlier, right? The thoughts are going to come, the cars are going to drive, right? We're going to watch them. We're not going to jump in the car, right? Off the, off the hill. We're just going to observe that. And then we're going to learn how to bring our attention back to some anchor. And the anchor that I'm always going on and on about is our breath because we always have our breath on us, right? Anchors can also though be the guided meditation that's in my ears or an anchor could be sometimes people struggle with the breath, what I'm physically maybe doing with my hands, if I'm knitting or something, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm literally going to bring my attention that's in my mind now, like you said earlier, too much in my mind, I'm going to, I, I always do like this little hand signal. It's my spotlight of attention, right? I bring my attention back to something that's happening in my present moment, whether it's my breath, whether it's the smell in the room, our senses are really grounding in that way because our senses are only literally operating in the now, right? could be what I'm hearing. Again, if I'm listening to music, I bring my spotlight back and I can hook on to literally, I can maybe, I'm sitting in a chair right now, right? I can, if I start to drift in my thoughts, I could literally ground myself by feeling myself in the chair. So that's a huge, big tool. And the more we practice that, and I always say practicing it in the form of meditation because it's, I think it's difficult, though we want to evolve to do this, to utilize in daily life. You can get savvy enough to do this in daily life. So I'm in a conversation with someone, oh, my mind's drifting. I don't really like what they're talking about, but that's not nice. So I bring my attention back. That's going to be a little harder because there's going to be so much more distractions. So I think as a starting point, doing so with the most limited distractions will help. So mm-hmm. I write, I'm meditating, the thoughts are coming. Okay, I'm jumping on that thought. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to bring my attention back to my breath. And that makes us present. That brings us literally right back to whatever is happening in the moment. Hmm. Yeah, those are really incredible. And I never realized it until you said it, that our senses are operating only in the now. So when you're really going to mm-hmm. your senses, you know, like fill your chair, fill the bed, fill the air, you know, what do you hear? What do you feel? It's, you have to be present to know what's going on. So mm-hmm. that's incredible. So what is your favorite meditation? practice now 
So daily, I do the breath meditation that I was talking about. So each morning, I do it in the mornings. I think for me, it's a great way to start my day feeling balanced. Um, I'm actually surprised myself all the time with how I wake up. Literally, I've been sleeping for, what, eight hours or so, and I wake up, and somehow I'm always thinking or feeling something. So I think it's a great time to kind of reboot and enter a day balance. So literally what I'll do is I'll take, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, depending on kind of how I'm feeling mentally, how much time I have. I mean, it can really be as small as that. And I, you know, I go and I sit quietly. I don't do, I don't have any kind of stimulation though. Sometimes I'll play around with having um, something called binaural beats, which I think are really cool. I love those. Um, you put those in your headphones. They actually kind of like play with your brain waves. It can help you. It's a facilitator of this. So those of you who are interested, that's a pretty cool addition, but usually I'll literally just sit there and I'll just focus on my breath, deep belly breathing. That helps me get the breath work in that I'm always going on and on about. And I sit there and I just observe my thoughts and I, you know, try not to jump on the crazy train of them and I bring it back and I do that. And I literally leave feeling calm, feeling balanced, but also having developed that muscle a little more. Right. So later in the day when I feel my, um, my attention is going somewhere else and I need it to be present to whatever I'm doing, I've now gotten that attentional work into that muscle work. So now mm. I can, I can get better and more efficient at bringing my attention back. Hmm. That's really incredible. I really love what you're doing. It's really fascinating. And I remember when I was 13, I wanted to be psychologist too. I was, I, I drove a bus to like completely different city that I live in. I made an appointment with a psychiatrist and I started talking with her. I was like, I want to be psychologist. I'm so fascinated by people are doing what they're doing. And then even when I was this young, I realized that I always like, I want to save the world. I take things personally, not like it's about me, but I really want to help them you know so I would be like too responsible I was like okay so I went to like accounting school and stuff so <laughs> and I'm not doing it anyway <laughs> and I ended up in in a mind anyway now I'm mindset coach for women so <laughs> mm -hmm. there you are you found your way you found your path oh. right the full circle so uh -huh. I want to circle back to Nicole what is the one thing that you would recommend to someone who is just like starting now the journey of personal development and spirituality and they want to learn how to control their subconscious like mm -hmm. what is the one thing you want to tell them mm -hmm. a that the, the biggest thing i want to tell them is that you can control that right like i said earlier i think it can be very defeating to feel like we have no control period being feeling disempowered isn't isn't going we need to start to feel empowered so that we can feel empowered to make the level of change that i think we all are deserving of and capable of to be honest so the biggest thing i want to say is that is that is that you can do it is that you really really can do it um and i think be like i said the small steps right you starting a, a small meditation practice right focusing on your breath for a minute a day right starting to tune into what what's going on in those thoughts um, and really the first step would be developing the ability to not attach to those thoughts i think that's the first hugest step then we build on that and then we start to reprogram the thoughts we start to give ourselves something else to be running as as on terms of that program but I think the the biggest first step is is not spending so much time in our thoughts because go again, bring it full circle. Like you said very early on in this interview, 
we spend too much time in our minds. So developing the ability to come out of our minds, into our bodies, into our present, not allow that program to dictate what's happening in our now is going to be the hugest first step and small baby steps to do it. Mm. And consistency. I guess I just said many things, but <laughs> saying that again, like you said earlier, there's not the magic pill. I'm not going to meditate once and be a different person. I'm going to have to literally do this more consistently than not. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Consistency, it's really key to, to mastering anything. So if we really want to be mastering our subconscious mind and learn how to let go of the need to control everything around our life, we really get to be consistent in it. So what is your favorite place to connect with others, Nico? Where do you want people to be stalking you? <laughs> to find me, to find me. Instagram. Uh, I'm on there every day. You can actually, if you tune into my stories, you'll see me doing all the things that I'm nagging everyone else to do. Um, so my Instagram is the.holistic.psychologist. Um, I do have a website. Link in my bio is there. I do a blog weekly. Um, I actually, I have a, for those of you who are interested in the nutritional component of it, I have a gut healing guide. If you sign up for my email list through the link in my bio on my, on my email, on my website, that'll be sent to your inbox. Um, but I email you, I don't spam you. I email you weekly. Um, I released a subconscious programming guide last week. So lots of good stuff that I'm sending your way, but I post daily. Like I said, I do, I'm on stories daily. I do a live weekly. So Instagram I think is kind of like, is my hub and I'm yeah. very receptive. I am a big into the community aspect of things. So email me or message me comment. I try really hard to to kind of be be engaged. So don't ever hesitate to reach out. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Nicole. I really appreciate not just you and your time here today, but everything you're doing in this world because it's a huge importance. So thank, thank you. you so much. Of you course, have a beautiful day. It. Thank you. You too.